Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. The Roman scourge. The Roman scourge was like nothing else. You can log on to YouVersion here. They have the address if you have that Bible app on your phone, and you can follow the notes today. Psalm chapter 129, verse 3. King David is writing here. Really, it's Christ. It says, the plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. Isaiah 52, 14 in Amplified says, for many, the servant of God became an object of horror. Many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's. And his form beyond that of the sons of men, but just as many as were astonished at him. It's hard for us to imagine the in, incredible beating that Jesus took. It really is. It's hard. Even, even uh, we have some images that we'll be bringing up here in a second from the movie. Anybody see The Passion of the Christ? Amen. Right? Very, di- very difficult movie to watch. Very violent. As a matter of fact, I was thinking of showing the scene of the Roman scourge. And uh, I couldn't. I, I rented the movie this week and watched it. I said, I, I don't think I can do that. For your sake, say thank you, Pastor. Yeah, because it, I mean, it was, it's, it's very tough. I, I actually had to bring Heather in here, you know, because she's a little more sensitive. You know, I said, honey, what do you think? She, she said, no, no, we can't do that. So, yeah, she really is the one that saved you from, uh, from, from watching that scene. But I do encourage you to watch that movie if you've not seen it, all right? It, it's at least probably the closest depiction that we have up to this day of what Christ went through. It's, it's really hard to know, though. Uh, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 messianic book. It says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and from spitting. All along the way being mocked, punched, kicked, spit on, just terribly abused. Now, Pilate sends him to be scourged. The book of John says that Pilate asked Jesus a question. He said, what is truth? And it wasn't, but a short time later, he endured the Roman scourge. And I believe that was on purpose because the main reason why that men endured that scourge or why they were brought to that scourge was so that the Romans could get information from them. Because if they knew if they had something they were hiding, they were going to confess real quick. All right? Pilate says, what is truth? Puts Jesus under the scourge to maybe see if some new information would come out if he would finally confess that he was just a lunatic. But he found it not to be so as Jesus took the entire beating and stayed the same. And when he came out, Pilate brought him out before the people. And you know what he says? I find no fault in him. Usually guys are confessing up. This man's not changing his story. I don't find any fault in this man. Look at him. He's beat to pieces. The Roman scourge was not anything like the Jewish scourge. The Jews beat with leather straps or they beat with rods. But they had, a, had it in their law that they would beat someone 40 uh, lashes minus one. 39 lashes is what they received. And if, if they miss, and they did that on purpose, they, 
They miscounted. If they miscounted, then the guy who got beat got to do the beating. If they gave him too many, so they did 40 minus one. They, had, they could do 40, but they went ahead and did 39 just to make sure they didn't cross over. I believe I'd do the same thing. And some have said over the years that there were 39 diseases in the world and every sickness and every form of disease can be traced to a root of 39 diseases. All right, well, I don't know if that's true or not, but Jesus didn't get beat by Jews. Jesus got beat by Romans and they were under no such law. Matter of fact, I think they kind of mocked that law. And so men just got beat and beat and beat and beat. And they had two lictors who would, who would uh, give the beating. And, and there would there'd be a centurion watching the language, the body language of the one who's getting beat and, and making sure that, that he's uh, able to endure it. And they literally beat a man half to death. A lot of times they would crucify them after that, kind of as a mercy killing, all right? So they wouldn't hang on the cross for days and days and days. And many, many men didn't even survive the scourge because of, the, uh, because of what that, that flagrum would do to a man's body. It was a, it was a horrific, torturing device. And, and they say that it was anywhere from three to 12 straps, leather straps. I read, um, did some research um, on a man who took three years to put together to construct a Roman flagrum, and I think we have a picture of it here. And he did the best he could at, at just through studying, like I said, three years to construct this. And 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 process made several of them and finally came to this conclusion. As a matter of fact, if you watch the movie The Passion, they used this model in it because they realized, okay, this guy did all the research, we'll just use his <laughs> use his model. But now he doesn't have in the strap, they say about every three inches or so, there were bits of sheep bone and glass and metal woven in that. But on the very end, you see, the, you see those, those weighted balls with the hooks on them. They call that thing the scorpion. And what the scorpion would do, would, it would hook into its victim. And the lictor is trained in such a way that when he brought that whip down on the back of the victim, that those hooks would, would catch into the skin and then they could rip up and shreds of flesh would come off the bottom. I know this is graphic, but you got to hear it. I mean, it wasn't just some little beating Jesus took. They beat him to pieces. Over and over and over, exposing bone, exposing rib cages many times, they said. Even, you could, a lot of them, they said many men, you could see their intros, see their organs. They open up so wide. And so, uh, lots of bleeding, veins slashed open. A lot of, they, they would beat some men so hard that they would get down to their arteries and just rip their arteries up, and they would just bleed to death right there. And they weren't just about hitting the back. They hit the legs of the victims. They hit the face of the victims. They, they'd turn them over and they would beat the front of them until their whole torso was completely, completely made. This is the kind of beating your Savior endured. Endured. Live through it. For you. Why? Why would, he, why, would he, why would he take that on? Why would he... Why this place? Why not just go on to the cross? What's the point of this right here? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised 
for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Everybody say it with me. And with his stripes we are healed. That's why. That's why. He wanted you to understand today that your healing has been paid for. Bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus. His body was broken for you so that your body doesn't have to be broken. I don't ever want you to doubt for one moment, for one moment, God's view on your healing. It amazes me how people think that sickness and disease are God's weapons or or tools, I should say, for teaching us lessons when he did this to his son. I think God's mind was made up right here concerning healing. Why would he bruise his son and, 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 and open him up like this if he's going to do whatever he wants to anyway? Right. I mean, if I'm Jesus, uh, I think I'll opt out of that. If you're going to do whatever you want, yeah. Yeah, let's skip the whipping post. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Or it, it pleased God to bruise him. Yep. It pleased God to bruise him, so now it pleases him to heal you. You never have to question it. Today he bears the marks of that covenant, scars upon his back, his body, to remind us all, it's still God's will. He's seated in that blood at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He did what he did. Hmm? Anybody receive that today? Hmm? God's got his mind made up. Beat his son to pieces over it. They wanted to extract information about their victims, so they put them through this horrific beating. There were three types of beating that they received under the Romans, and they believed that Jesus endured all of them. One of them was a beating with rods or canes of a lesser kind. They, they would, I don't know how else to say it, I guess they would, they would prepare the back with rods. All right, tenderizing the back so that it would be a lot easier when they took the flag, flagrum across it that it would be easy tearing for it. The man who constructed that, that flagellum took a thick piece of construction plastic and he took one swipe with a flagrum and it had like a hundred puncture holes in it as well as gashes all the way through it. He tried it with leather strap, tried it with the cat of nine tails, but people say that's what... That's what they used. They didn't use a cat of nine tails. And not even a mark on that plastic. That thing tore through it. One swipe. One swipe. And Jesus took him beating after beating after beating after beating after beating after beating. You can't even imagine. And a victim, uh, uh, so that was the first. And then the second one was called the flagellatio. And it's a more harsh flogging. It's with rods or even whips. But then the last one called, now forgive me for butchering this, Verberatio, verberatio. I don't know what, how to say that, but I'm just trying. It was called a scourging of the most severe kind, and it was done with the particular scourging implement known as the scorpion, as we saw up there, 
which was embedded with nails and sharp scraps of bone from the forearm of a ram and heavy circles of bronze and lead. It had these weights in it as well so that they would bruise the back and then that hook could rip through it. Horrific. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made their long furrows. I want to read what Isaiah chapter 53 says in the Amplified. Surely he has borne our griefs, that is, our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows. I want you to say this with me. He took my sickness. He took my weakness. He took my distress. And carried our sorrows and pains. Say, he took my sorrow. He took my pain. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement that is needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And we know this is about physical healing. There's an argument out there saying that's talking about our spiritual healing. No, it's not talking about our spiritual healing because our, our, our spiritual man was not sick. He was dead. Needed more than a doctor at that moment. Amen. Needed more than just a prescription to get better. I needed to live. We were dead in our sins. Hallelujah. But we know it's about physical because Jesus went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed by the Lord. He healed everybody physically. But Matthew chapter 8 teaches us, it references Isaiah chapter 53. It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. So we see it clearly that it had to do with our physical well-being. Hallelujah. I love that. I love that when Jesus was doing that, when he was healing them, it says that it might be fulfilled. But how many of you know that it really wasn't fulfilled there at that moment? Because he hadn't died yet. He hadn't, he hadn't been to the Roman scourge. I love this about God. You know what Jesus is saying there? I'm good for it. He's letting us know he's going to fulfill his mission. If he's already giving the benefits <laughs> before the payment... He's writing checks. He's writing checks. That's wonderful. Verse 27 of Matthew 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. They, not only did they place that crown of thorns, and they believe it was anywhere from four to six inch thorns. It's not just like, you know, something you see on a rose bush. These are thorns. And they put placed upon his head, and they mocked him, and then they took that reed, and they beat that crown of thorns down upon his head. Why? What's the point of this? Bled for our healing. He took those stripes upon us. Why is he, why, what's the point of this, this crown of thorns upon his head? The thorns are representative in the book of Genesis chapter 3. If you'll turn there with me today. We'll see where thorns began. 
Genesis chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a sad chapter in the book of Genesis, as this is where Adam and Eve made their decision to partake of the fruit that God forbade them to take of. Gave them freely every tree in the entire planet except one. The devil has quite the power of persuasion, doesn't he? Got them focused on the one thing they couldn't have rather than everything else that they did have. Anybody got kids in here? <laughs> yeah. My daughter Madeline, when she was a baby, she loved Fruit Loops. And we gave her some Fruit Loops. And she had them in one hand, and she was crying for more Fruit Loops. So we put more Fruit Loops in the other hand. And she kept crying because it just wasn't enough. <laughs> it just wasn't enough. Put them in her mouth. She'd cry for more. So she had two handfuls and a mouthful. Still crying for more Fruit Loops. It's the nature of man, isn't it? Genesis 3.17, once they've been found out, God begins to talk to Adam and tell him what's going to happen to him as a result of his sin. And then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, let's just stop there for a moment. <laughs> you feel that? Can you just feel that in the room right now? All I'm doing is reading scripture. I feel all kinds of attitude out there right now. <laughs> I'm not looking over there, though. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground. Notice God did not curse the man. He cursed the ground. Curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both, here we go, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread, or the King James Version says, in the sweat of your brow, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, dust you are, and dust you shall return. <laughs> it's no accident that they took that cursed thing and weaved it into a crown and put it upon his head and he bled and took that curse upon himself so that you do not have to break your back and eke out an existence just to eat yep. Amen. see God has a life of blessing for you Amen. you have the blessing of Abraham upon your life yes. The blessing of Abraham upon your life so that you don't have to scrape and to lack and to work and sweat. He broke that back of poverty. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
Well, pastor, I was talking about spiritual things. Yeah, it is. But not just spiritual things. You know that everything that we have in the physical came out of the spiritual. Everything that is visible came out of the invisible. Humanism teaches you the opposite. But the Bible teaches us that everything that we see came out of what we can't see. And you know what the Bible teaches us in Ephesians? You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So it stands to reason if you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, then you have a right to every physical blessing. Two of you received that, but that's the truth. Amen. And so this, this scripture that says he became poor so that we would become rich, and it means the outward, outward uh, materialistic wealth and riches. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't write that scripture. It's there. It's been there for a long time. But we have a hard time with that kind of stuff. I don't. You might. I don't. I don't have a problem with God blessing me, yeah. blessing me with riches and make, making my life a lot easier. Huh? Eking out of existence, scraping by as a result of the curse. If you think that that's what you have to do, then you've got a curse mentality. Amen. Huh? Why don't you just receive what Jesus did for you? you Took those crowns, that crown of thorns upon his head so that you don't have to. Amen. Also, I believe that that crown of thorns was placed upon his head and beat down upon him so that you can have a right mind, so that you can think right. The Bible says that you now have the mind of Christ. It says to put on the mind of Christ so that you can control the way that you think. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's important that you watch your thoughts, that you make sure that your thoughts are dwelling on whatever's good, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is just, so that your life can experience those things. Amen? So Jesus' brow was pierced to break that curse of lack and poverty, and also, I believe that he broke the back of mental illness. Now, let's continue forward. Matthew 27, 35, then they crucified him. Psalm 22, verse 16, it's a messianic chapter. Some say that Jesus is quoting Psalm 22 on the cross. I beg to differ. Psalm 22 is quoting Jesus. Yep. Now, Sunday, you're going to see men up here on, and, and ladies on the stage uh, going by a script. Jesus is not going by a script. What's my line? Oh, yeah, Psalm 22. No, Psalm 22 is quoting him. Verse 16, for dogs have surrounded me. Say, that's me. You remember, we talked about this extensively, how the Jews saw Gentiles. They called us dogs. Dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. John 19, 34 says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out five. This is the fifth place Jesus, fifth and final place Jesus bled at the cross and that bleeding was a five-point bleeding. The right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot, and the side. Five and five. Five and five. Everybody hold up your hands like this. Five and five. Every time you lift your hands in worship, your hands extended you see five and five five and five and I'll remind you that you are bought with a price the blood of Jesus purchased 
Wonderful things for you. Wonderful things for you. Covenant, healing, prosperity, blessing, salvation. And you'll never know separation from God. Mm-hmm. A right relationship. A right relationship with God. One you could not do yourself. Oh my gosh. You're terrible at it. So am I. All of us are. Well, if I get to church, I think, you know, I'll feel better. You know, maybe, maybe he'll take note. Man, buddy, get over yourself and get on to Jesus. All right? He's way better, way better than you are. Hmm? Way better than you are. Amen. You ain't impressing God. I promise you that. Amen. What impresses God is when you are impressed with him. Amen. Yeah. yeah. That you believe in Jesus. That you believe God is really that good and he loves you that much and his grace really does that abound that much to you. Now, you don't come to church because you think it's the right thing to do. You come to church because you cannot get over what Jesus did for you. And for the rest of your life, you'll do whatever it takes to please him. You'll, you'll be in church. You'll do whatever it takes to make sure, to, to take every opportunity to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Get over yourself. This is about Jesus and the reward that he gets. Not how good you feel about being in church or doing good things. Give him what he deserves. Amen. Toughen up, buttercup. Hallelujah. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Here we go. Here's the promise. That the blessing. Everybody say, that the blessing. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon you. Upon you. Look what this says. Upon Gentiles. Dogs. That the blessing might come upon us in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Every curse that was against us was stopped at that cross, and every blessing came pouring through it. Every promise just kept on going through it. Every curse was stopped. You don't need to read a book about how to stop the curses. You need to go to seminars and tell them, I need to break all these curses off my life. You can't break the curses. Who do you think you are? Jesus broke the curse. It's done. It's over. Men are writing books and getting rich. Think keeping Christians in bondage. Oh, you got to break these curses. You got I can't. I don't have the ability to break those curses. Jesus already did it for me. It only took one man to do it. And that man ain't me. Colossians chapter 2 says, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has, made a, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. How thoroughly did the blood of Jesus take care of sin and the curse and the law? Wiped it out. Wiped it out. Your sin has been wiped out. It's over. It's done. It is a done issue with God. Hallelujah. It's over. 
God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself. See, what's sad is we're going to have to show up to heaven someday and give account for our lives. Okay? Now, as far as God is concerned, hear me here. As far as God's concerned, the whole world is reconciled. So men have to show up there without faith and tell him they don't want it by their lack of faith in Jesus. I'm going to give you a really good scripture. I used to hear that the moment you get saved, you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I kept reading the Bible and found out that wasn't actually true. Some guy just made that up. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, overcomes. How do I overcome? This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Really what it says is he who has faith, he who has faith, I will give him a white stone and I will not blot his name out. You mean my name was already there? Everybody's names are there. Everybody's names are written in heaven. They just have to show up to God and say, no, thank you. I don't want my reservation. Cancel it. See, that's how thoroughly God believes in this salvation plan. That It's all done. Heaven's already there. It's made for everybody. You either show up and and claim your reservation or you say, no, thanks. And the claiming factor is your faith in Jesus or non-faith in Jesus. Is this good? See, God wants you in heaven more than you want to be there. Yeah. You're so saved, you don't even know how saved you are. But I'm going to challenge you. I'm telling you, I'm going to challenge you today because I'm going to tell you in the very near future, I'm going to bring a message that's going to change your life. And it's called, you're going to heaven whether you like it or not. Oh, I hope that made some of you mad in here today. Hallelujah. I just, oh, I love it. Amen. Okay, now, now listen to this. <laughs> you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. Uh, I don't need no emails. I don't need you to come up to service and debating with me. Like I've told you before, I'm not a novice. I know what I'm doing. All right? The more I, okay. I want to just talk to you for just one moment before we get out of here today about double jeopardy. All of this was done. All of this was done for us. Anybody familiar with double jeopardy? I saw, you didn't see the movie. The movie's actually pretty good. Now, I don't know if it was R-rated, so I'll just forget that I just said that, because I don't. It was many years ago, and Heather influenced me that night to rent that movie. (laughs) I just want to give you the dictionary definition of double jeopardy. The subjecting of a person to a second trial or punishment for the same offense for which the person has already been tried or punished. I like that. Double jeopardy. You cannot, you cannot be punished or tried for that which Jesus was already punished and tried for for you. 
God is not unjust. So get over the fact that you think that you can pay for your sin and thank Jesus that he already did. He already did it. And the moment that thought comes creeping in your head, that lying devil comes around and starts talking to you about that, just say, nope, double jeopardy. Double, paid for. It's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. The punishment, the crime has been paid for. I don't have to pay for that. Well, Pastor Eric, that sounds like you say you can just go do whatever you want. Almost. But no. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable for me. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Man, I hope, I lost some of you in this crowd already. I can tell. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Which means I can do anything, but it's not always good to do anything. Just because I can, should I? That's called Christian maturity. That's called growing up. It's called growing up. You, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I found a long time ago that, yeah, maybe all things lawful, but there are things I did that eh, weren't all that profitable. <laughs> Just weren't all that profitable. Paul says it like this. He says, I know what you're thinking. You see throughout, throughout his writings, I know what you're thinking. Oh, so we just keep on sinning, Paul, so that grace can abound? And I hope that you're asking me that question today. That way I know I'm preaching it as hard as Paul is. Because the truth is, it's ludicrous to think that you, you should just go and do whatever you want to because your life is not your own. You're bought with the blood of Jesus. You have an accountable, accountability to God Almighty to live your life the right way. Yeah. Jesus did all that, and you're going to go do whatever you want to? You have no appreciation, no gratitude for the blood of Jesus? To think that way? I've got so much more appreciation for God's grace than that. It's not a license to sin. But thank God Almighty, it's there when I do. Thank God Almighty, the Bible says, when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of God who's making intercession for me. And it's not based upon, it's not predicated upon my confession. Man, I, I, man, I did. This isn't in my notes, but we went there anyway. I hope this is help. I want to help you. I want to help you get free from that because here's the thing. If you'll just understand and know that Jesus' blood has done so much for your life, has done so much for He has so saved you, He has so brought grace to you, that you'll live your life with an understanding that every day is a gift from God. And what you do in that day is your gift back to Him. That your life will have meaning when you know that your home is heaven and God is your Father. Your life will have meaning. Dangling Christian people over hell has not helped the church get right. Matter of fact, it's done quite the opposite. Having people bawl and squall down at the altars, dangling them over hell, bringing condemnation to God's people has not helped the church one bit. It's made them filthy is what it's done. It's made them go crazy. I mean, I was raised in a hard core, tongue-talking church. And I'm telling you, some of the filthiest, wildest, unholiest people I've ever met in my life. But boy, when we had church, we had church. 
And they cried and they wept and they, oh, God. No change. They'd walk out of there, boy, well, I'm feeling mighty fine. I got heaven on my mind. Don't you know I want to go where the milk and honey flow? I'm telling you, is this every week? And then just live like pure hell the rest of the week. Come dragging into church. Oh, God, same old cycle again and again and again. Never helped the church. There's no kind of relationship with God. Woo! Turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. Grow up. Quit thinking like that because God's not thinking like that. Amen. 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 Double jeopardy. It's already been paid for. You can't pay for it. Our God is so good. Now, let me finish with this. Can you give me a few more minutes? Through his blood. I just want to, I just want to just give you a few scriptures that we have received. Things that we have received through the blood of Jesus. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, we have forgiveness of sins through his blood. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Number two, we are redeemed through his blood. That is, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Acts says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over to which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, talking to leaders here, to feed the church of God which he has redeemed or purchased with his own blood. Hallelujah. Number three, we are cleansed from all our sins through his blood. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Revelation says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Isn't that good news today? Number four, we are justified through blood. What's justified? It's justified never sinned. All right? Justified through his blood. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We have peace through his blood. Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross or the death of his cross by him to receive all things unto himself. Number six, we receive access to the Father through his blood. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Wow, God wants you to have boldness to enter into the holiest place. Woo! Not, by, not because you're so cool, because the blood of Jesus has given you access there and made all things new and right. He gave you access to the holiest, to the right relationship with the Father by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Number seven, we have divine healing through his blood. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with this stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. We have victory over the devil through his blood. And they overcame him, that is Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Number nine, we are sanctified through his blood. That is, we are set apart. How? Through his blood. Not because we don't do this and we don't do that and we cut this off and we grow that out and we don't do that. Are you hearing me? That will separate you. It's the blood of Jesus that separated you. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify his people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. We have a clear conscience through his blood. Whoo, I love that. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, 
purge or cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We have eternal life through his blood. These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all of their tears. Hallelujah. Got two more. We have a new covenant through his blood. Jesus said, this, is the cup. this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And last, we have better through his blood. I want you to say that real loud. I have better. Through his blood. Hebrews chapter 12, 24, it says, To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Hallelujah. Come on, give him thanks for his blood today. Thank Jesus for his amazing, amazing grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your, I want every head bowed for just one moment and every eye closed. I'll be releasing you in just a couple of minutes, but this is extremely important right now. I've given you some good information today, and I hope this has inspired you. I hope it's encouraged you. I hope it's built your life. But I also, on, uh, also want you to understand today that there, some of you in this room, there is a, there's a decision that you need to make at this moment right now. What do you do? What do you do about all of this that Jesus has done? What do you do? Who is he to you? What does it matter to you? What does it matter? Jesus died for the world. Yes, he did. He died for the sins of all the world. That includes you. Paul says, teaches us what the gospel of Christ is. That is, Jesus Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now everybody in this room has heard the gospel. You've heard the good news. But you could do nothing to save yourself. Jesus did it all himself. There is one thing that you must do in order to receive the benefits of what he did. And that is to believe it's true. To believe that he died for you. To believe that he did it for you that you with your own mouth confess Jesus is Lord and that you with your own heart believe that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God refuses no one. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. I don't care who you've cheated. I don't care. At this moment, it doesn't matter because none of that is greater or stronger than the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. His blood washed away all your sins. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I want to be saved today. I want a right relationship with God. I want the benefits of that blood in my life. I want to know that heaven is my home. I don't want to just wish for it and hope that maybe that'll work out in the end. I want to know today that heaven really is my home, that when I close my eyes in death, I really will be there. And that God won't just be some being up in the sky, but that he'll be my father. I won't just see him as some great 
great almighty being out there, but understand him that he is my father. I want that. I want that. I want Jesus to save me. I want to receive what he did for me. Are you here today? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today. Anybody here? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Amen. Anyone here want to be saved? This is free to everyone who will just receive it by faith. Hallelujah. Anybody else here today say, I want to be saved? I want all of us to pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand in this room today, I'm going to give you some words to say. But you must connect your own heartfelt faith to it today. You must receive it for yourself. All right? Everybody here today, just pray with me. God, I come to you right now ready to receive what you have given me. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe he was buried. And I believe he rose again from the dead three days later. Right now, I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I receive you into my life. And I surrender my whole life to you. I thank you that the past is forgotten. You have forgiven me of all of my sins. I am made new. I am born again. I have everlasting life. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And Jesus is my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.